Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I have Amy or Abby um, Sampson with me uh, from um, Sampson Historical. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about your background. So my personal background is actually in public relations and cultural communications. Uh, so I've always been a big history person, big history fan. Um, but, you know, this was something that my husband's family did and I, I got into it with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that, um, it's, it's funny that we've done the, these podcasts for like two years now and the amount of people who just kind of came into it, you know, not a very direct way. It wasn't their original plan, but, but now they, now they're doing it. it it's it, it, that that's the story more often than not. So um, you were, you said you were always interested in history. What, um, what, what drew you? Um, was there something in particular that interests you or just the study of history? Sure. So my family, this big family of readers, you know, history buffs in general. So I'd go on trips with my parents and my grandparents to different historical sites. Um, we do a lot of different kind of history tours and things like that. So that was always something that I very much enjoyed. I've always been a big reader as well and always enjoyed reading about different historical figures and events. Um, so when my husband and I got together and his family did, um, they, they were big reenactors actually. And then they also uh, with that, I've always done leather um, drinking vessel reproductions oh, yeah. from, uh, they date back to the Middle Ages and up through the very early 19th century. And so to be able to do that kind of hands-on history um, that had been a part of his life for so long, um, it was just a, a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is... Um we were talking about going on tours and doing like the, the, the touristy things that people do related to history. Um, there's a, a Ted talk. Um, it's probably about 10 years old from uh, the national trust. And it's pretty, I call it, you, you don't know, you know, you, you don't know you're a preservationist, but you are because you're doing all these things to preserve, you know, preserve, um, you know, our history and t- the storytelling, but you you know, you wouldn't necessarily put that label on yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me about um, Samson Historical. So Samson Historical started out um, with Casey's grandfather and the leather reproductions, then his father, um, and then then him um, in 2011. And he and I, since that point, um, have expanded beyond those leather reproductions into um, kind of an all-encompassing 18th century um, 
reproduction business, which is where our heart really is, is in 18th century and revolutionary history. Um, so we focus on all of the, the same sense Rocco focuses on all the goods. So clothing, um, you know, kitchen items, daily use items um, that would have been prevalent in the 18th century. And with that, we supply you know, museums, movie companies, reenactors, um, different historic sites uh, with, with those goods. Yeah, when I was on your website, I was I was amazed at all the different things that that you had. I would, and I I um, I was even like you even have like powder to keep bugs away. <laughs> like that yes. was yeah. <laughs> and, and with that, we're working with this amazing um, young entrepreneur who's local to our area actually, and does an, an 18th century apothecary, and so she's making all of those items. And we get to work with a bunch of different artisans who specialize in all these different things um, on top of what we can reproduce ourselves, and so the the hunt is super fun to be able to find find new things and find you know something that's original that we want to bring back and that's probably our favorite part oh yeah yeah definitely yeah I um um do you is the majority of the people that um purchase from you are they in America or where like do you ship everywhere we do ship everywhere um the majority I would say are here in the United States um we do have a lot, uh, depending on the year, that go uh, to France or to England or to um, Germany, actually. And it all just kind of depends. Um, there's a, whenever there's an anniversary somewhere, we get we get a little uptick. But we do ship mainly here in the United States. Okay. But I guess the 18th century goods would have been the same here and in Europe, I would assume, similar, at least. They'd be yeah. very similar. Yeah. Availability changed um, throughout the period, depending on... Um, trade embargoes, things like that, that were all in place. So um, there are differences in what was produced here and what was produced um, kind of internationally. Right. Um, we have things like block printing, which originated in India. Um, and then later in the century was picked up, you know, in England, but you know, the, that, that best quality is best goods came out of India. So they're being imported um, from there. And so it, it all depends on what the item item is right yeah yeah that makes sense um so I know you touched a little bit on like some of the the products that you offer um I I was very interested in in your um in your um your book selection and I I wrote down a couple to be added to my my to be read list um so I was I was excited by about that and I um so can you tell me a little bit about the the products that a little bit more about the products that you offer and and the clothing and and some of those things sure so um like you said we mentioned books I'm personally I'm a really big reader so uh being able to to provide those really nice research books um, is important to me uh, because that's where a lot of people kind of falter is, you know, this secondhand kind of account. Oh, I was told this was good. Right. Uh, but if we can use that documentation that's in those books to support everything we do, then, you know, you can't, you can't go wrong, but yeah, um, we have, uh, it's just, it's hard because we have such a wide array, but we have um, a men's line and a women's line mm-hmm. of 18th century clothing starting in about 1760s uh, through the 1790s. Um, our women's clothing actually is getting ready to take a another huge step. We have um, been working with a company called Turkey Roost up till now. Two wonderful ladies, Anna, Annie and Verna, mother, daughter, who are retired out of the business. Um, and we're taking over that line of high quality women's um, jackets and things like that. So 
Um, our goal when we started carrying clothes and expanded into that was that somebody could walk into our store and walk out completely dressed in 18th century fashion. And um, I feel like we've done a, a, a pretty good job. We're always improving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was impressed with the, the, the variety of, of, of things that you had had on your website and you have all the things that people would need for like doing a reenact, like if they're actually camping out for a reenactment, even cleaning supplies, like you have, you, you have everything that somebody would need. <laughs> yeah. It's um, that's what keeps it fun though, is being yeah. able to find, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, I was, they were working on hats, but tomorrow we're working on cutlery and yeah. um, pottery or glassware. We just got some wonderful wine glasses and things like that. So being able to, to search all these different facets to really make an all encompassing um, kind of outlet for the 18th century is what's also helped us. Um, you know, when we get calls from from museums and living history sites saying, you know, we need we need this and you can't you can't just dress somebody up and put them in, in an empty building. You have to be able to furnish them properly. Right. And yeah. so that's been really, some really fun to find things and to create things that have, that were very prevalent in the period, but you know, they're not here anymore. And to be able to say, you know, here's this, this is here now, um, experience this. And it, then it comes back towards, towards the forefront. Yeah. Do you, um, do you notice any, like, I know we kind of talked about like the availability internationally, but do you notice differences in um, regional, like regional availability or like were there, were there certain things that were prevalent like on the East coast and maybe the frontier, not as much or. Sure. So in our period, we focus a lot. Um, and with our, our personal interests, we focus heavily on, on the East coast and um, into, into the Midwest, but you do have things that, you know, were available um, or, or more widely available or available sooner is, is more, more the case. Um, my personal interest is in clay pipes. Um, and if you look at the kind of the evolution of clay pipes, uh, it really, it's a very interconnected kind of ecosystem. It's, um, you you start with the tobacco that can be grown in much bigger quantities here, uh, which leads to bigger, bigger pipe bowls. But most of those pipes are coming out of England and Germany because they're not making pipes here. So they're trading those back and forth and this commerce is happening based solely on, you know, this, this cash crop. And um, so pipes with that, you, you have smaller pipes available here for longer um, and, and then into the larger pipes. And again, a lot of that's also with um, what the, the, I guess the durability of them. So right. you don't have as many of the really long pipes over here because they didn't ship well. Right. And they were very expensive versus, you know, in England, they would have been a lot easier to go get a tavern pipe at, at a tavern because it didn't take, didn't take as long to get them. They didn't have to travel as far um, and things like that. Uh, so that's availability was also very much class-based. Yeah. So yeah. you can afford to import it, then, you know, you can have this, the, the nicer, fancier right. yeah. fashions. Yeah. Uh, but if you know, there are a lot of goods that are imported that were less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, for the common people and you can really see kind of a, a line for those yeah and 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 from my 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 world um you see that in the the very vernacular houses that were you know the trades people lived in and then you know the big grand houses that everybody thinks of for the museums and things like that right. yeah so i yeah that definitely makes sense to me i also noticed that you have um uh in your around the house or around the home section that you had like uh 
kids toys and um and uh and ornaments and different things even for christmas um i this will this will air right after christmas but i was just i i thought that was fun too that you have you know to get to i think it's important to get children interested in in history and 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 you you do learn by doing Absolutely. And we have a, my husband, and I have a six-year-old daughter, Peyton. Um, if you're on our social media, you'll probably see her doing history Peyton videos, which mm -hmm. she loves and, or she teaches people about different th people that she's learning about. Yeah. Um, and so having that, that line of, of toys and things that she can experience and play with is very important to us that she gets that hands-on history. And so, um, you know, in turn, being able to provide that to other children as well, that's really where you're your whole interest begins that spark right. starts yeah. uh, the christmas ornaments and things like that are a little bit later period 19th century but we typically when we think of traditional christmas today here in america we actually think of the dickens style christmas right. and that's victorian it yeah. yeah it is later um than our time period but um, having that kind of traditional feel and pulling in both elements uh, is it's fun yeah it is fun so so who are your um your typical customers so that would be a lot of individuals who do personal like living history and personal interpretations, um, historic sites, museums, movies, um, TV shows, cruise lines, things like that. It, theaters, it all kind of depends on, it depends on the time of year um, and kind of the general what's going on in the world. But uh, we deal a lot with one-on-one -on -one, um, yeah. personal reenactors yeah. and historians. Yeah. yeah. Okay, very good. Um, and what are some common mistakes people make when shopping for 18th century reproduction products or reenactment supplies? Um, anytime you hear the word old timey, that is a bad sign. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we find a lot of people that are getting into this and they go and they get really excited and they see something that great. I want that. I like that. Um, but you really have to kind of decide who you are first. Um, so who, who you're, if you're going into reenacting, who you're going to be. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I get to be the same person, whether I'm out at an event or here, I own a store. And right. um, it's been interesting to see as we've grown from when we had our very tiny little wedge tent, we had one table out there, what we were then to what we were now and how we've progressed mm -hmm. and, and gotten, you know, our closest our personal clothes have gotten nicer. Um, and it's really funny because it follows a very natural progression of how it actually does work. Um, but picking who you are um, and moving from there, not everybody wants to be a soldier. Some people do, and that's wonderful. And if that's what you want, then you need to find a unit to help you get the, what you need. So that overeager kind of jumping in without having talking to somebody uh, can be can be a problem. Now, uh, when people call us with and they want to do civilian impressions, that's something I can help with. I can help with dates. I can help with um, kind of in general regions, what you need uh, for those kind of things. It's when you get into the very detailed military that you have to have somebody help you that specializes in those units. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so what what trends or challenges do you see? Um, um, So we're following um, a lot of a lot of the issues that we see come with um, supply chain. Oh yeah, right now just like everybody else. But as far as you know, trends and things like that, um, we're seeing a really inclusive look at culture now, which is in material culture. 
um, in the period, which is wonderful. Um, and that's been really exciting to, to keep up with. Um, you know, you that see, change, have you had to change any of your offerings based on that or? No, um, I think because of our approach has always been one that's been holistic. Right. Um, we haven't had to really to change what we do. Uh, I think that that should be true for anybody. If you're looking at history as a whole, you have to look at it in its entirety, uh, the good, the bad, and, and kind of the ugly on it and, uh, and include all of those things and just be realistic about it. Yeah. And I think that's where we've really always tried to be as, as a company. Um, and then it's really fun when you start kind of watching as far as actual like trends in, in goods and what's popular. Uh, as you kind of watch the conversations, um, women's clothing and civilian women's clothing has been, you know, exploding lately as far as people's interest. And that comes a lot with, um, we saw it way, way, way back when um, the Patriot came out. Oh, yeah. Clothing, when mm-hmm. you know, all of that happened. And so now we had Turn come out and we had Outlander come out. Well, those are not necessarily historically accurate right. shows. It gives people a spark to start being interested in what was actually there. Um, so being able to talk to, to kind of those people that are like, okay, I really like this, but now I want to, I want to do it for real. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the current trend that we see. Yeah. That I can, I could see that, that I would think, I know that there was like, um, I would, I could see that like TV and, or whatever is happening culturally influencing. I, I could see that. Cause I sometimes get inspired by things and then I get in the middle of it. I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Yeah. That, that's something that, uh, that's another mistake people make is they're like, Oh, I saw this on. Right. It's not a, usually a good start to a sentence. <laughs> Did, um, was there anything that you thought of, um, to, that you wanted to share that, um, I, that I didn't think to ask you or that you thought of while we were talking before we wrap up? Um, just that, you know, there's a lot more resources out there than have ever been available to us. So finding those, um, you know, a lot of bad things happened with COVID, but one of the amazing things that happened was the availability of research collections through museums oh, that's um, and being able to search for those things. And if you're really interested in, in the kind of the guts of history and, and that true material culture, uh, utilizing those free resources that are out there. Um, and we always try to point people in those directions as well, because uh, we're, we're big nerds, but um, to, to utilize those things that are available that have never been available before. And if you've been doing this for a long time, if you've been into the history, you know, being able to let go of your preconceived notions because the connectivity in the world today, we know so many things that we have assumed to be true that aren't, are not, are not necessarily the case. And so being able to, to accept that new research is important. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's really important. And I, I, there is, there's, I mean, in everything, there is so much more information than probably people generations ago would even imagine, you know, and we just have it, you know, on our phones. <laughs> so it's, it is a pretty amazing time. So how, um, how can someone contact you? Um, we have a lot of ways to contact us. Okay. We have all of our social media, everything's under Samson historical. Uh, we also have samsonhistorical.com on there. There is a chat box, there is email, our phone number's on there. If you call us, you get our staff um, right here. And so definitely reach out to us via email, phone, or the website is most, um, the quickest way to get the best answer. Okay. Uh, but we do monitor our social media constantly. So if you shoot us a message, we will get back to you as quick as we can. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.